Make life a game you can win by setting your own rules rather than conforming to social conditioning. So this is the idea that the life that you're playing, you don't have to play because your parents have said this, your school have said this, your cultural conditioning, your peers. You can go on a completely different path and you can define what's winning. So, so often we've defined what's winning is we've got to have this amount of money in our bank account. We're scaling our company this particular way. Um, we're this particular weight. Like there's so many different parameters. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing that. The best conversations we've had, with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum, from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify, to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Finian Kelly. Finian is a speaker, facilitator, and executive coach. He's been called a business mystic because of his knack to put consciousness into business. He's built and exited two multi-million dollar businesses in the financial industry, and his current role is the chief visionary officer of intentionality.com. We talk about movements, what makes them up, and what you need to think about when you're creating or directing one. And he shares about how marketers and brand builders have all the intrinsic skills to do this if they're intentional about it. This is a super thought-provoking episode, and I hope you enjoy. Finn, welcome so much to the podcast. It's really, really good to to have you on. Thanks, Ross. Uh, I love speaking to a South African. A year ago, pretty much to the day, I actually met you in South Africa. Yes. And I love, I mean, I think one of the things that's, that, uh, you know, inspires me about you is that you've, you know, having heard your story, you've reinvented yourself quite a few times and you've, you've lived many sort of iterations that are, are seemingly from the outside um, unlinked. Can you talk a little bit about the, the movement that you're currently building and, and how you sort of think about building a movement and and not a company. Great. So internally, I've always lived a life of intentionality and that's where I've done lots of different things, but they have actually been linked because they've been linked to my desires of life, what's important to me and really about my own personal growth journey. So I've, I've seen directions of where I've wanted to go and I've been like, well, that, that leads me there. So I'm going to keep taking steps along that path. And what I discovered really over the last year, after looking back through all my testimonials of all the entrepreneurs I've worked with uh, and the different retreats I've run and coaching and just the different inputs or impact I've had on people, they all reference that you're the intentionality guy. And after a while, I was like, that's interesting. Maybe I need to go down this path. And, and what does intentionality really mean? And that's the movement that we're creating right now. We want to create an intentionality movement where people start realizing that there's an alternative way of living. You don't have to live from this conditioned state. You don't have to be part of the status quo. You don't have to be reactionary. You can actually get ahead and uh, have a way of living. And uh, intentionality is really the answer to that. So I've created a philosophy and has a set of principles and a way of being so people can navigate this challenging and unpredictable life and give them some element of control and feeling really great. So that's, that's what we're doing. That's super rad. I mean, you know, I always talk, you know, one of the tools we use a lot at nice work is, is purpose um, and helping organizations to figure out what their purpose is. Um, And I think intentions and intentionality is, is almost that pathway to purpose because I think purpose is quite far. It's, it's, far off in the distance and intentions is can what help leaders of teams and people inside teams to almost actually move move towards a goal and move towards something um you know with with intention and with actually thought as opposed to just 
spinning the wheels. So I really like that that you brought that up, Ross. So one of the principles is actually the first principle. It's a little bit controversial, but the principle is escape the prison of passion and purpose by focusing on what you can do today, not tomorrow. Now, it's not that I'm against purpose, but I've actually think the passion and purpose, it's been thrown out there way too much. And everyone is a little bit like lost and thinking, well, I've got to find my passion and purpose. I've got to keep finding my passion and purpose. And when we do that, what it does is it can sometimes paralyze us. It can put us into a place of lack because we're we're thinking that we're not good enough right now. And we're also trying to find something so big. And um, But what I wanted people to do is, is if you live a purposeful life, you'll feel purpose. If you live a passionate life, you'll feel passion. So do the things that bring passion. And if you do focus on what you can do today, you'll get there rather than focusing on what you can do tomorrow. And um, it's it's incredibly empowering when we get to that place. So that's that's just something which I like to throw out there and just give people permission that just, just do some things today and you'll start feeling more passionate and more purposeful. Sometimes where I'm I'm like not connected to anything, I just go, what could I do today? I could love, I could uh, grow something myself. I could serve somehow. I could have some joy. I can have create or, or I can create something. And when I do that, I generally at the end of the day feel quite purposeful and feel passionate as well. That's super interesting. And I think if you think about it in a business context, it, it also works for, for companies. You know, I think sometimes we get caught up in these quarterly plans, five-year five year yeah. predictions, all that stuff, and it's sort of driving forward. And I think sometimes, you know, especially when things are tight or hard, it's quite difficult to see the gap between where you are and where you have set yourself uh, wanting to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was on the, the one that the gift year gave me is the Global Leadership Academy. And one of the thoughts that stuck with me that Warren Rustand said is that you can you know, when you're feeling down or sad, you can lose yourself in service to others. Yeah, Gandhi, um, great Yeah, quote. I mean, I love that. And it, it's really stuck with me and we use it in our company. And I think when things are really hard for you, realize that also for your customers, for the people you're serving, that it's probably quite hard for them. And if you reach out to someone in your sort of, in your world and, and help them, uh, you know, it makes you feel better and then it puts you back on the path and it allows your work to sort of continue in a, in a more meaningful way. It certainly does. So, so let's, let's talk about this movement you're creating. You've created like a philosophy, like what are the pieces when you think about a movement? Cause a lot of the sort of the, the topical thing right now is people are all talking about communities, like all businesses yeah. need a kind of community. Um, what do you, you know, if you talk about a movement, what do you think the sort of building blocks of a, a movement are um, and what are the pieces you think you need to focus on? I like that you brought that up because I listened to a, a good podcast about community yesterday and it got me thinking on a walk about how Everyone's focused on this community right now, but when you look at great communities, they're not actually focused on communities. They're focused on a mission. Mm. And through that shared mission, we get excited. We find similarities with each other and we want to come together. We want to band together and uh, get connected. And then we do community acts. When you're just focused on building community, I think sometimes people forget. It's like you've probably seen uh, back in the younger days when you threw a party You've, you've got to like the best parties always had some reason why we're there, like a theme or something like that. But if you're saying we're just coming in to connect people, it, people don't really like that. You can try to put a bunch of people together and they're like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't for me. But if you have a shared mission, you can have the most random people together and they'll find a way to connect. So mm. that's really what I think about a movement is a movement is a group of people who are realizing, wow, this is, this is something which I want, whatever with that that organization stands for or whatever they're offering. That's something which will help me in my life. And if I know that if more people are on this similar similar mindset, it's going to make it easier for me to actually live this life as well. And there's this collective agreement that we're like, wow, the world would be better if we start doing that. So I think that's the fundamental principle is something that people 
realizing, wow, that would really improve my life right now and improve the life of others because they've, they want to share that. The only way to get a movement is to get people to start sharing and talking about it a lot more and understanding that's a paradigm shift. So um, when we're creating it, we've got to have that mission. What are we trying to do? And I, I said that word paradigm shift because to get people to want to like suddenly talk about it, it has to completely change their mindset. It's like I was here and I heard this and I'm different for that. And it, it's, I didn't realize there was another way of living. And I always think of whenever I describe this, I always think of like the minimalism movement. Traditionally, everything we had been told was that more was better. If we kept getting more, that was a sign that we were succeeding, we were, we were doing better in life. And But what was happening was a lot of people were feeling just disconnected, overwhelmed, stressed. And when these couple of guys came out and said, there is another way, actually, less is more, that was a paradigm shift. People were like, I get permission to actually have less and my life could be better. So that's that's, I think, is a great example of, a paradigm shift and how uh, a movement can get other people on board. And then they're like, oh, wow, I want to share that with other people. So what we're doing is uh, having that overarching area, a paradigm shift, having really clear principles. So having principles of living life. Think of religion. How did they work so well? It was Ten Commandments. There was all these different literature and so much, but if you came back to it, you go, well, if I just live by the Ten Commandments, I can do this. And it was a way of navigating the challenging world. So that's why we've written seven principles of intentionality. We've then gone given stories. So the next layer down is like the stories to describe those principles, to really bring it alive and to show that it's universal. So we have a story for personally, how it is to yourself. We have one to relationships. We have one to professional life, the business life, to show that if you apply this principle, it's universal across these areas. And then we just have some really in-depth stories for myself of how I discovered that principle. And it's like an aha moment. The next layer down, we then go, well, here are some behaviors of how to actually live those principles. And here are some tools which enable you to do that. So you can see how it's like high high level because you've got to have that high level philosophy. But then you've got to go further down and go, this is how you actually do it. This is how you do it today rather than doing it tomorrow. So before you know it, you're living a life with intentionality. And that's one of the big things I always tell everyone is, is that intentionality seems like this big concept and people intuitively know what it is and they want it. Like it's amazing. Every day I hear people talking about it, but they don't know how to do it. And they think it could be a really radical change and it might be really hard. But I try to, well, I share with them by through these stories and getting down to like one tool is that intentionality is just one behavior away. If you change one little thing in your life today, you're already on the path of intentionality. And as you take more steps, you build up momentum and it comes easier. And that's where the movement really begins. That's super cool. So, so can you talk us through like what is your what is your paradigm shift like what is the the switch in my head that'll that'll switch and then I'll never be able to see the world the same way again? It's it's really interesting. So this is something I'm still working on. Um, I'm still testing and hitting it. So I still have to use too many words, which I don't really want to do that. But it's this idea that our current models for living are really broken. Um, our natural state is to be joyful and happy, and we're supposed to love life, not feel disillusioned and connected. So intentionality guides people to their path of deep happiness and fulfillment in a way that doesn't drain their life force, require endless sacrifice, or ignite or ignore their heart's desires. We really remind people that they do have power and show them how to love their life now so they can return to their natural state, their true nature of infectious joy. So it's this idea that the, what we've been going on, this conditioned state, isn't the path. It's not the path for them. And there's a path which is magical for them. And if they just do it right now and start living this life, they can be really free of the stories that we've been operating them and potentially haven't been serving them in their life. Yeah, I dig that. I think this, in, in a, it applies in so many different ways. You know, I think COVID you know, for me has been like a great gift. Um, I think it's, 
it's unraveled a lot of that. I think, you know, one of the things that died at nice work was this idea of, you know, we've always been doing it that way. We actually mm -hmm. are about to flick the switch on not tracking time anymore because it's just, it's what we were told is how you measure output in an agency. That's just what you do. But mm -hmm. I think this idea of questioning, well, is there a better way? Is there a different way? Is there a, uh, you know, like why, you know, I love what you're saying is I like come back to like, why are you doing this? Why are you working so hard, putting in all this time and energy and effort? Is it, is it for financial accumulation? Is it for happiness? Because if you measure on a happiness tangent, it, you know, like I think a lot of people's lives and, and efforts will come up short. If you're measuring on a financial one, maybe it will be, be very different. And I think, you know, mm -hmm. for businesses, it's really interesting that you can apply that same thinking. Like what is the stuff that you, are missing what are the questions you haven't asked you know in the operating system that you currently have yeah definitely and i i agree with COVID. it was a what it was it was a pattern interrupt it forced us all to interrupt our life and it was such a change that you're like okay why 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 am i here like what what led me to be here and it gave some pause for people to actually think through those questions and that's why i actually feel like for the first time ever i've done a lot of companies and i've had a number of success but i've always been ahead of the wave and it's funny like people think you want to be first timers but if you're ahead of the wave you're just you're just paddling a lot and just getting exhausted and then by the time the wave comes you're off a little bit you're tired and then you actually can't jump on it and right now I feel like I'm right on the wave because everyone's going, all right, they're starting to look up and they're like, what next? I don't, I know I don't want to go back to that previous life, uh, but I, I have an opportunity to move forward in a new way. But the problem is, is that the condition state is so strong. As soon as things start moving back in the direction of a life, which was a little bit similar, people will just adjust and they'll be back on that train or back on that path which wasn't really their path so i want people to go there is a path there of mine my unique path and i can take the steps towards it i just need to be able to look a little bit bigger look internally as well and just feel what's right and everything is available like that's what people don't realize is that we we're all one we all have the same um resources same connection and yes we're from different lives you're from south africa and i know the different states but we can tap into it especially with the internet these days we can change the way we've we've lived we just need to know that we can actually do that but the problem is that condition states are so, so so strong like people who are in lower economic environments in south africa believe that that's that's the only way they can actually be and I want to tell them is that you can do it. And we've seen that. We've seen people who have risen out of nothing to get to extraordinary places because they've just chosen to think differently and believe differently. That's super inspiring. So, so let's, let's bring it back to, to your movement. You, you're talking about you've kind of got your, your big idea, your, your paradigm shift. Now you've broken it down into principles like, what are the what are the principles that you 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 playing out um, around intentionality? Awesome. So I mentioned that first one before. Principle one: the escape the prison of passion and purpose by focusing on what you can do today, not tomorrow. That's really about not feeling like you're in a place of lack. You don't have to find like I was. I even think about this a lot of the time. Is that there's this pressure all the time to be like you've got to from a young age is like what are you going to do? It's like, what about just focusing on doing good stuff today, doing good work, and you'll find your way there. So it's giving you freedom um, in that regard. The second one is create exponential outcomes by leveraging energy instead of time. So you just mentioned before that you've stopped tracking time, um, which is really great because time, why do we measure time? Because it's easily quantifiable. It's the same reason why we, we measure our success against about how money we how much money we have in our bank because it's something which our linear mind our analytical mind can easily understand so we track progress there but we know that that doesn't actually bring better results we know that in the day not all time is equal it's the idea that uh meditators collapse time because by spending time meditating they open up new neuro pathways and throughout the day they're not 
reacting, they're responding. So effectively, they have more time in the day. It's that old Zen proverb, if you don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes, you should meditate for two hours because you'll get more energy. Even though you've reduced the amount of time that you have in the day, you'll produce more energy. So what I want people to be doing is thinking about how are they showing up in in their day? Are they bringing energy or are they losing energy? Are they are they the people around them? Are they setting themselves up to get great energetic results? And that's how you get the exponential outcome. So for example, when structuring your day, making sure that when you know that you're at your highest uh, flow state, don't allocate time to silly things like admin or anything like that. Make sure you're doing your really productive, productive results. And also, are you doing things which are bringing your energy? Are you working with people who are bringing your energy? Just being really clear about that. It's a, it's an incredible one. Uh, and that's why we all have the same time in the day, but some people get exponential results and other people don't. It's because they're focusing on energy management rather than time. Third principle, uh, and feel free to jump in if you have any questions on any of these as well, just uh, so I don't sure. just keep going. Um, third one is experience, <laughs> experience fulfillment, not just success by focusing on desired feelings, not just outcomes. So this is the idea that ultimately in life, what we're looking for is feelings. We want to feel a particular way. We want to feel love. We want to feel joy. We want to feel happiness. And what's happened before is, is that we've got so focused on outcomes, whether we're we want to grow our business to $10 million. We want to have this amount of money in our bank. We want to have this holiday that we've forgotten that really why are we focused on those outcomes? Because they give some form of feeling. But the problem is when we focus on outcomes, we may be predicting the wrong outcomes. We might be thinking we want this particular feeling. We think this outcome is going to give it to us and we get there and suddenly we, we don't feel fulfilled. It's that whole example of why so many entrepreneurs, they get the big exit and then they have a depression, depressive crash because they thought that it was going to be their answer. Suddenly all their problems in their life are going to be fixed because they had all of this money. But actually what it did was they had a hole inside of them before and they'd been filling the void by more success, doing these different things. And then when they actually sold their company, the hole just got bigger because money is a magnifier and it just opened them up. So if you can get focused more on what are the feelings that you want to feel, you sometimes don't have to go down this aggressive path and you can feel those feelings now. You don't have to wait five years to feel a feeling of freedom or peace. Like that's a pretty miserable state to be in if you keep telling yourself, I'll be happy when. So what I want people to do is focus on the feelings now and then create the environment to give that today. So for example, I, I always give this example is, is that last year I was president of entrepreneurs organization. Uh, that's how we, we met Ross. And I had, it was the year of COVID. So at the start of the year, I, I planned for a whole year about my presidency. I was very intentional about it. I, I set up all these different events and all these metrics of what I define would be an incredible year of EO presidency. And when March came, COVID came, and basically everything shut down. And I had the most epic last quarter planned. I didn't even, my board didn't even know some of the things I had planned. It was going to be the most wild galas, it was going to be events, all these things bringing it together. And for a second there, it was actually a little bit longer, it was probably an hour, I went into a bit of a poor me state. For a moment there, I was just like, well, there's my presidency ruined. I'm going to be remembered as crap president. It's I can't do any of these things. And I felt started to feel really sorry for myself and I started going down a shame spiral. And then I remembered, hang on, Finn, you're a guy with intentionality. I'm sure you prepared for this somehow. And I went back to my one-page like document where I was planning out my year. And yes, there was all these goals and metrics, but above it, there was a one-line statement, which was, this is my intention for how I want to feel throughout my year of EO presidency. And it just said, I want to be proud of my leadership. And that just saved me. In that moment, I realized, okay, my intention for the year was I want to be proud of my EO leadership. And yes, there's a bunch of goals and metrics which would help define that, but ultimately that's what I wanted to feel. So I suddenly went, well, okay, I'm still EO president, 
right now, what would I need to do to feel proud of my leadership? And it just sent me on a course of events. I quickly realized, well, I needed to get the whole EO chapter together. I needed to instill confidence. I needed to create a strategy that would look after people who um, couldn't afford the membership right now. And I just went on straight flow state, didn't even think. And I tell you what, I was more proud of my EO leadership than I ever could have been without any of those goals and metrics because I was just so in the state of leading. And that's an example of how Mm. focusing on these intentions and these feelings can give you incredible results and make you feel better each day because it just grounds you rather than going after some materialist object which might be completely wrong, some objective. And we see this in companies all the time. Like sometimes the goals that we put down are the biggest distractors and really take away from enjoying what we're doing right now. I think there's there's some great lessons in here for people who are building companies and brands. Is you know, like I think part of this is thinking about the internal people, like the people who are pushing your business forward, who are building that brand, who are engaging your customers every day, are feeling exactly like you're saying. So how do you liberate them? of those goals and metrics that were set in a time before, you know, kind of the, the game changed, the world changed. But mm-hmm. I think what's also really interesting is thinking about that from your customer's perspective, you know, how are they, how has their world shifted? How's their, you know, how's their thing ch- changed? So if you're servicing them in one way and that goal is just unobtainable anymore like how do you help them get somewhere else how do you guide them to the the next sort of space because i think we i'm feeling it in south africa as the world is starting to get going again you know it's starting to try and find its sort of rhythm and i think the opportunity here for everyone is to help people define that and navigate that and build that so that that when they get going again that you're there with them um and they remember how you you helped them to to get there yeah it's it's you have such a privilege being in marketing like you really guide people on this and when you think about it marketers actually know that what you're trying to give them is a feeling you're focused on what is the the feeling that they're going to have after experiencing whatever your product or service is and unfortunately a lot of people get so focused on their benefits and features of their and their and the the bells like the shiny objects of their how good their product is that they forget that what ultimately people want to do is feel a particular way and that's our role as a marketer is to help them see that they're going to feel this way and i love it that you're thinking one step further it's like this uh it's almost like a human responsibility is if you understand that the feelings that they're going after aren't particularly serving them. Imagine if you could guide them in a particular way and go, yes, like what if you didn't want to have to scale your company like 10 times? What if you just wanted to really become a small giant and really own this particular area and this niche and, and add all this value? Wouldn't that be awesome? And I feel like we just did a masterclass with Chris Doe, who I, I believe you know as well. And he, he's, you can see that that's how he operates. Like he's focusing on giving a feeling to people and he's, he doesn't even care about some of the metrics. He's just like, if I give this feeling and I feel proud about what I'm doing and the content I'm putting out, I believe it's going to come back to me. And I, I feel that's a, an awesome place to be in for marketers and guiding your clients on the right path again. Yeah, I mean, I also think kind of the worlds of sales and marketing and experience are all collapsing into each other. So this mm-hmm. becomes even even harder to do. But when it's successful, it's not just a really good campaign. It's it's a really good experience that somebody has from when they meet you all the way through to when they've finished using your product or service or whatever that is. And that can, like you say, have a fundamental impact on that person, which long term if you can do that over and over again for people like how could you not be successful how could you not achieve whatever it is that you are going after if that's how you're getting people to to sort of care and react about you know the difference you've made in their lives it's magical and people remember moments life is a bunch of moments that's all it is and when you look back in your life the people who have really fond memories of the life is people who have made memorable moments. And what it takes to make a memorable moment compared to something else is some intentionality. 
they've 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 seen it and they've created a container they've created a a, a situation which we've connected and we and it invokes feelings in ourselves. So we've, we've come, we haven't just evoked the feelings, we've come connected to those feelings. And then we've done some form of ritual around it to go, this was a moment. And I feel like that's really what we're trying to do as marketers is give people these moments. Like remember, like if you could go, I'm sure you've had that a product or a service where you discovered it and you're like, oh, my life is changed now because I'm going on a different path. And that is the ultimate privilege of what we're doing. And I, I think about that with parties and, and, and any experiences that we do is like, how do we make sure that everyone remembers this one right now? And all it does is sometimes it's just actually honoring. It's like, this is a moment. And that, that just puts it into their head and they, they realize, wow, I'm always going to remember it. And I feel like that's the greatest gift we can give for people is helping them have moments. I dig that. So, so tell me the fourth. Tell me the fourth principle. Fourth. So yeah, we are on the fourth one. Yeah, it is. I love this one. So, it's make life a game you can win by setting your own rules rather than conforming to social conditioning. So, this is the idea that the life that you're playing, you don't have to play because your parents have said this, your school have said this, your cultural conditioning, your peers you can go on a completely different path and you can define what's winning. So, so often we've defined what's winning is we've got to have this amount of money in our bank account. We're scaling our company this particular way. Um, we're this particular weight. Like there's so many different parameters. And if, if you make the parameters too hard, you can't win that game. And you're always going to be feeling in lack. You're going to be feeling scarce. You're going to be feeling like a failure. So instead, why wouldn't you make it a little bit easier? Doesn't Just because you make it easier doesn't mean that you're not going to perform. So often we think that if I stop making it life really hard for myself, I'm going to stop growing. That's not true at all. So what I like people to do is like, what about what if you defined that the game that you could win was that at the end of the day, I could sit and have dinner and reflect and reflect against my intention against the morning and I had an experience which, which enabled me to learn and grow a little bit more. So I could reflect on an experience and paradigm shift. So, for example, my intention today might be to, uh, to feel more love or give more love. And at the end of the day, I sit down at dinner and I reflect on the day and I was like, you know what? In that situation, I did choose love. And... What I learned from that was if I do that again, I'm going to get greater results. And suddenly I've created a game that I can win. I can feel good. But if you define it as, well, I had to read a book, I had to get these amount of sales, I had to run this amount of time, it's going to be really, really hard. And this is why so many people are feeling miserable and feeling like they need to go to other substances to make them feel better and they're just layering things on. It's because we've gone into this world where it's like more, more, more. You've got to keep driving and everything. And I, I actually think it's not working for us. And I see people who are just in this place of love and joy. They're not stopping. Like they're not not producing. They're still creating and it's coming from a better place. And I personally have known, like I shared that story with you before, Ross, like right now I've noticed I'm starting to strive again. Like I'm starting to go, we've got to do this. We've got to create this movement quicker. And I actually think my productivity and also my happiness is going down because I'm doing it from a place of lack. I'm not doing this from a place of love. So I'm actually pulling back again a little bit and taking a pause and going, okay, what is actually getting me to this place? What's, what's happening? Is it some form of monetary um, conditioned state flowing through? Is it some form of feeling that I need to be producing because I'm selling one company and going to the next, I'm, I'm working that out. I'm taking a moment to actually experience what's happening for me to get back into that place where I can define what's winning. I don't want to feel like a loser. Feeling like a loser doesn't, doesn't feel great. So why would we create that environment where we feel like a loser? Yeah, I think, that, I mean, there's, there's, I can see this from both sides again. I think it's, think of your team, building your brand, doing your communications. So often we sit and ask the question, like, what is the purpose of this? What is the intention 
of this entire project you've set up here. And no one can really answer it. They're just like, well, we needed Facebook. You yeah. know, and you're like, okay, like that's great. But what were you trying to achieve? Like what was the what was the desired state you were heading towards using Facebook? Because we're not going to say Facebook is bad, but Facebook with no point is is just a, a waste of, of energy. And I think simultaneously, if you flip that to the outside, when you're talking to people, you know, what are you trying to get them? You know, like what is the intention you're trying to get them to do? Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of people default to sell, sell, you know, buy, 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 buy. And that's not a great intention because no one, when you ask them, like, I want to sit and have you just hard sell at me for, you know, 20 minutes. I'm, I've got other things that I'd like to do. So, so I think thinking about that, you know, you can measure your teams differently. You can measure your projects differently and you can measure like what you're trying to achieve with the outside world differently too, which will, I think have huge impacts on, on what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, the next one, principle five, is to eliminate friction by creating freedom through self-made boundaries. So no one likes friction. Friction, I've got, I, I'm doing this in, incredible uh, endurance race, ski race. It's like the Ironman of the mountains. You you skin up mountains, so you're climbing up mountains with the skis and uh, it's a whole day activity. It's about 25 miles and 10,000 of vertical feet. So it's a big endurance activity. And on Saturday, I did a big training run and I had friction in my boots. And because of the friction, I've got horrible blisters now and it was just not enjoyable. So we want to eliminate friction. And the way we do that is we we create self-made boundaries and that gives us more freedom. It gives us more space. So let me give you an example of that. So think of why intermittent fasting has worked so well as a way to manage weight or or loss. What they did was rather than making it really complex, they went, let's have a self-made boundary. I'm going to have a self-made boundary that I'm going to only going to eat within, uh, an eight-hour period of each day, eight hours or 10 hours, whatever it is. That's a self-made boundary. I know I'm going to eat from 10 to 6. And that gives me a lot of freedom because I know that as long as I stay within that self-made boundary, I can really eat what I want and I'm still going to get results. And through that, that eliminates a lot of friction because every time I'm thinking whether I can or can't eat it, I know I can because I'm in this time or I'm not. So it's given a lot of freedom and it's eliminated that friction. So what I like to do is like, where else can you do that in your life? Think of money. A lot of people have friction. Every time they go for a spend, they're like wondering, oh, can I afford this? Can I do this? What's happening here? So in a way you can create a self-made boundary saying that, well, I'm going to have all my money automatically going into different investments, different strategies, paying off debt as soon as my paycheck comes in each month. And then I'm going to allocate amount of money every week called my personal spending amount, which I know that as long as throughout the week, I use that money and I can't go over because there's no more money. It's a boundary. I've created a self-made boundary. I can spend it on whatever I want. If I want that coffee, I can go spend it. If I want those shoes, I can go do that because I know that I'm not hurting myself. I'm not hurting myself because I've got everything else set up. So I love thinking about that throughout the life. It's like, how can you create those self-made boundaries? They're actually positive because they're giving more and more freedom in our lives. And then we eliminate this friction and no one wants friction in their life because it slows us down and it irritates us as well. I like that. I mean, I suppose you can. Uh, I think a lot of people struggle with the budgets that they allocate to their teams Yep. And I think you can definitely, you know, if you create those boundaries well enough or even better, if you co-create those boundaries together, then everyone can just do the job that you paid them to do as opposed to having to come back all the time and be like, is this okay? Is, can Smart. we spend this money? Or on the other side being like, I spent all this money and then you as the leader is like, what happened? How did you spend all this money? I don't understand how we got to this place, which doesn't work for anyone. And everything speeds up. So when thinking about race cars and planes, we want to eliminate friction because it slows us down. So mm. by creating these safe self-made boundaries, exactly how you described in business, everything speeds up because the decision-making is happening continuously because they know that they don't need to check. 
They don't need to come. And it frees you as the leader as well. That's the most empowering thing is, is that you don't have to, you put in good, good boundaries and then you don't have to be involved as much, which is ultimately what we want as a leader because then we can spend more time in a creative zone and thinking bigger picture rather than getting caught up in the minutia. Great. So think about with marketing budgets as well, thinking about that with working with people. It's like you don't need to come check everything. Like you stay in this parameters and just go for it and let's put in constraints. And that's one of the things with technology these days. You can actually put these boundaries in place as well, which is pretty awesome. I think it also becomes really like valuable when you start combining them. So you're using like what is the kind of – how do we measure this thing in a positive way? Plus, mm-hmm. yeah, the guardrails, you know, so now you can, within those two things, you can you can go go nuts. You can experiment to your heart's content. You can be as creative as you need to because uh, you know that you're never going to end up in a space that you you, you might have gone too far or, or strayed away from the, the ultimate intention. Definitely, and I love that you said about combining principles because um, – they do. They all interconnect. And part of the the challenge is, for example, think of principle four is that like people are focused on social conditioning. So if they've been social conditioned that they can't make a decision without getting approval, you're you're going to feel friction there as well. So part of it is you have to do some work up front to help people realize is that you don't have to operate this way anymore. Like this, this is a different game you're playing now. And you can win this game by realizing as long as you stay in these self-made boundaries, you can do whatever you want and go for it. And uh, that's one of the challenges is in leadership is understanding that not everyone is equal and not everyone is coming from the same place as you are. We have to get them into a similar mindset uh, to understand of like how we are playing this game together. I mean, I think what you just said there also applies to to marketing and sales. You need to, instead of being measured by other thing, other metrics, you need to define what your metrics are and position yourself in that person's mind to say, like, think about these things. Like, let's talk about, let's have this conversation here. Um, and how do we measure up? How do we fit in there? Because then you're being measured. You've gotten them onto the same position as you, and they're now measuring you in your world and not by some other metric that probably doesn't serve you or, or them. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge of getting to like those, those core numbers. Like in any business, like you can really, if you can drill it down to like one or two or three numbers, and we know if we are making progress on these numbers, we're on the right path. We're going to the right direction. And don't get distracted by all these other numbers out there and the numbers that may potentially worked in another company or another uh, product you're working in, but it's not relevant to ours. And that's that's a challenging one sometimes. And that's where that communication and getting everyone on the same page and making sure we're on the same path is super important. I love that. So now I think we're on number six. Yeah, we are. You're good at the, You're good at maths. Um, yes. So number six is to connect to your true nature by practicing the power of presence. So I'm sure you've had a shower before and you've suddenly had this great idea, this great moment. And what enabled that is, is that you were just in a place of presence. You're there right now, right here. And because of that, your true nature came through. And your true nature is this divine, powerful source. It's not limited. It's abundant. We have this internal knowledge, this wisdom, and it comes through. It's a very similar example of like when we walk through nature, we're in a power of presence. We're stopping. We're getting out of our thoughts. We're getting into our body and our true nature comes through. And it's why so many times people feel lighter. They feel more loving, more powerful when they're in these environments. So we need to make sure we get back to our true nature all the time. And I truly believe our true nature, when you come down to it, is an element of love. Like we all are love. But there's certain gifts that we've each been given. And when sometimes when we're operating just in the reactionary mindset, we're operating the day-to-day, the chaos, we forget who we really are. And it's why so many people need to have retreats or they need to go on psychedelic journeys or they need to do something to get them back to who we are. You don't have to get to a place where you've lost yourself so much and you need to go on a 
retreat or sabbatical to find yourself. If you pack, practice the power of presence each day, you'll come back to that place. And the greatest power of presence is to have some conscious breaths, literally just letting your air out, breathing up from the lower abdomen, up into the upper abdomen, holding your into your heart, and then just letting it all out. You just do one of them and suddenly whatever you're concerned about, worried about, are going to drop away and you realize, oh, wow, I'm a powerful being. I, I can handle this. Another way is through meditation. Another way is just walking in nature or through the sun. If we keep coming back to this moment, our ego drops away because really where does the ego exist? The ego exists in the past and the future. Past and the future are, are mental constructs. It was a way to understand and it was where the ego started taking control. Right now in the present, doesn't matter what's happening around you, generally, if you drop into the present moment, you remember you're alive, you're healthy, you're okay. And yes, there may be this big scary thing happening out there, but right now you're completely fine. And when you do that, you realize you're a powerful love being. And that's the place where we have creativity from. It's why the greatest leaders, they don't allow their calendar to be full up all day long. They put intentional times throughout the day where it's just thinking time, where it's just feeling time and there's just space. And that's where the true magic comes up. It doesn't come from a forced state of like, I've got to create right now. It literally comes from those places where you're just relaxed and you allow this intuitive wisdom, this flow, universal, divine, love, God, whatever you want to call it, to come through us rather than thinking that it all comes from here. It's a lot more of a powerful state. Right. Take us, take us home, Finn. Tell us wow. the last and probably most powerful of the, the principles. You're right. It is. It's principle seven is to experience peace and joy by learning to choose love over fear. So there's a few key elements there is that ultimately we want to feel peace and joy. That's what, why we try to go on this path of creating things like working all this area to make money because we believe that if we have this, it's going to give us some joy, but it's also going to feel peace. That's what the security blanket comes on. People are focusing on security. But the problem is if you're focusing on security, it actually breeds insecurity because you realize that you're creating, you believe that you need certain conditions around you to make you feel safe and secure. So what we're really wanting is peace. We just want to feel peace full and some joy, core emotions as well. And the way to do that is to learn how to choose love over fear. So that means in any particular moment, you really, there's two core emotions, love, fear, truth, illusion. Which one are you going to be in? Are you going to be in the place of the ego, which is fear? Or are you going to be in place of divine God source, whatever you believe in nature and which is love? And when we do that, we start feeling more peace and joy because when we learn, and this is why I say it's a learn because a conditioned state is actually to choose fear. When you actually think about where we've come from, fear was a, a, a feeling which enabled us to stay alive. It was like we've got a cyber-toothed cyber -tooth tiger out there um, and, and where we need the fear response to put us into a place where uh, cortisol and adrenaline will run through our body, puts us on high alert, and we can get away and, and live. But the problem is, is that we don't live in that environment anymore. And we think that an e email is the equivalent to a dangerous animal, which is going to kill us. So we keep choosing fear. And when we do that, we don't have any peace or joy. We're always on this reactionary state. It's We get a, a flood of chemicals which come through our body and it, it, it actually breaks down. It's what causes stress and it causes to get illnesses after time. So we need to override that and learn to choose love. So how do you choose love in these moments? Well, if someone, you feel like you're getting triggered from someone, perhaps you're just choosing a fear state. And once if you chose love and you got out of that and through that, you might actually be able to listen to them more and realize they're not trying to hurt you at all. You're just seeing it. Some past trauma is interacting with the, what, the way they're communicating with you and you're choosing that it's a fearful state. Similar with um, what happened in with the pandemic last year. In that moment, so many people chose fear. 
And they, for a whole year, they've been in a place where they've had no peace or joy. And then there were other people who just went, well, I'm going to choose to love this moment and just love it and just see what happens. And I'm going to love each one that comes up. And I'm going to believe that this is a path which is good for us. And they've had an incredible year. Like I'm sure you've had many conversations on this podcast where it's like a binary thing where some people have had great years, other people have had horrible years, the exact same circumstances. It's been the same across everyone. We've all been in the same state. The only difference was, was how people chose to respond. Some people chose to respond with love. Others responded with fear. And the people who responded with love, you know what they're doing now? They've created new businesses. They've had new relationships. They've seen new things. They've basically transformed themselves. And they are now set to just have a completely different life. The people who chose fear, they're trying to get back to where they were, trying to recreate. They've just like worked hard, they've grinded, and they've had anything but peace and joy. And that's why this principle is so important because it makes it so easy. We love our mind. Think of uh, the ones and zeros. We like binary things. So in any moment, you've got two responses. Is it going to be love or fear? And I really invite you to choose love and just see how dramatically your life changes. And by the byproduct of that is you'll have more, you'll create more, you'll experience more wealth, you'll have more experiences, but that's not why we do it. It's just because it just makes life more peaceful and joyful right now in the moment. Did I love that? The only notes I wrote down here is, you know, when you're thinking about this in your company, like what, how are you making peace or love in the people who you serve's lives? Like how are you, mm-hmm. like how, are you, and if you can connect to that and you can communicate that, that's such a powerful message because coming back to something you said earlier, we're not talking about benefits. We're not talking about us. We're not talking about our products. We're talking about, this is what I can, this is what I can do for you. This is the, the world that I can offer you. Um, if you, if you choose to, to accept. And I think that's such a, a great message to give to people. And think about leaders as well. What's our role is to make sure that everyone feels calm, peaceful and connected. And, and yes, we've just had a, a event in the world which is putting our business under risk, but we are the calm ones. We're peaceful. And through that, we instill that confidence with other people and it's about choosing love. If you put it on a fear, people are going to be in a state. It worked for a period of time. Cortisol will rise up and they'll be on high alert and they'll be yep, really productive but they burn out. We know that. Like People can't sustain that level of chemicals flooding through our body for a period of time. Everything starts breaking down and our cognitive ability becomes so less productive. So that's where it goes back into that linking with that principle about energy over time is we need to be making sure that our people, they're not in a, a high beta state. They're not stressed out. They're calm because that's where they're going to connect to their true nature and produce their greatest work. But unfortunately, people think that we need fear to get certain results. It's why we're actually so self-critical of ourselves. We believe if we stop being self-critical, we're just going to become a sloth and we're going to suddenly lie there and do nothing, which is a complete lie. Like it's not true at all. If you naturally, if you're in a place of love, you want to do good things. You want to go out and serve others. You want to go create because you're feeling positive and optimistic. So we need to let go of that story. It's the way the ego controls us is thinking that we need to be hard on ourselves to actually produce anything. It's not true at all. I love that. Um, so, so I'm cognizant of time. We've, we've actually gone a lot longer than we normally do. Um, my last question to you, Finn, is thinking about this, and I love this, you know, like the way you sort of think about a movement of this sort of like big thought and this paradigm shift that has to happen, you know, and then kind of connecting it down to the the principles that people can do. And then I love your last step, which we didn't actually get into was the sort of behaviors of this. If, if we were to think about brands as, as sort of have the, having the potential to be movements, as in having the potential to sort of shift people in this space, what role do you think companies and brands play in our in our society? You know, and and where do you think people should be thinking about spending their their sort of brand oomph? Um, if if that makes any sense at all, it does. So I feel like there is an incredible responsibility for leaders, companies, and brands because we understand how 
human emotions work, our brains work, and effectively we're we're manipulators. That's really what marketers are. Like we're manipulating people to take a course of action. So manipulating can sound like a negative word, but it's let's just be honest. That's what we're doing with people. Where it's negative is if we're manipulating people to take actions that actually don't serve them and aren't connected to their path and aren't going to bring more love and all these different elements for themselves. We need to be thinking about how can we positively manipulate people and get them to feel something, to do something which is going to improve their way of being, their way of life, to get back to their true nature, to get to that peace and joy. And that's what I really want to encourage people to doing is like, don't just sell something for the sake of it because you can make money off it. Like that's, that's not a good thing. Really ask yourself is, is this, is this of service to this individual human, to the collective, to, to, to us as a human race? And if you can answer them yes, then go for it. Like help people. You do. That's one of the things in marketers is that you need to lead people to the water sometimes. You need to lead the horse to the water. But still it's up to them. But we have to guide them and we need to take that responsibility super, super serious, seriously. So I just would encourage people to like go, are you helping people? And if and if you're not, why are you doing it? Like go use those skill sets for something else. Because if you can do that, and get people to take action something which isn't really valuable you can also take action towards something which is really valuable and wouldn't that feel better for yourself when you feel more peace and joy and experiencing more love so that's that's my invitation to everyone i love that because i think it's also if you unlock this idea of a movement it implies followers it implies you know, people joining you on your path that, you know, you, you, if you're walking alone on a path, it's not a movement. You're just somebody on a walk. You know, if there's a whole bunch of people with you, then you're in a, in a movement. And I think the opportunity I see for companies and, and brands, if they tap into this, they get the opportunity to get a group of people that cares about them and comes mm-hmm. along for the ride and contributes. And, you know, it becomes an almost self-fulfilling, a self-fulfilling thing as opposed to something that needs to be artificially stimulated with, with ads or click-through rates or dark patterns or any of the things that have sort of a lot of the greatest minds of our generation are spending a lot of their time on is getting people to make those accidental choices that they didn't necessarily want to as opposed to saying well how do we apply that same thinking to getting people to do something that's of of joy and i think you're seeing brands like peloton using a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. you know they're getting people healthy they're creating they're putting them in a, an environment where they can succeed they're you know and it, the, just the success of it has just been astronomical and you think of how many years they've been pedaling those exercise bikes for and no one's ever really kind of cracked it um, but yeah. I think they use a lot of this sort of thinking in how they set this thing up and, and the success is, is evident um, in that. And, and every great movement is never, I like that word, artificially uh, stimulated. It's, it's, it's not sustainable. A movement is led by the people. And the, yes, there's been someone who put a thought out there initially and was a little bit of a thought leader and they become a little bit of a facilitator, but a movement has to happen from from the group. And that's something which is really, really important. If you're forcing things down, I'll challenge you whether that's a movement or whether you're playing like the guru role. And that's not sustainable. We need to have the people keep driving it and understand this is good for them. And then they become champions of it and ambassadors and they keep sharing and talking. And that's definitely one of our greatest challenges is like, how do I activate the people? How do I, how do I work with them and create, co-create with them? So this is why I'm while I'm doing this is like the big part of my movement is is that I'm testing this with people and I'm communicating. This is why I'm sharing it all. I'm not keeping it to myself. Is like I want to get out there and I want people to come back and go, there is a better way you could say this principle, Finian. Like that's what I'd love. Like if it, as an audience is like, I, I felt this evoked this for me and I, I believe we could say it this way. That's great because then we're building this together. I love that. I think that's such a great thought to to end the interview on. So, so Finn, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your energy and the work that you do. Thank you, Ross. 
Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season, and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're one of those really old school people, send us a letter and we'll make you a mixtape.